Well, welcome to the follow-up podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church, and today I'm joined by Brian Cobley, our students director, and Cliff Tatamar, interim pastor and speaker from Sunday. And uh, we're ready to go. We, uh, what are you laughing about? Just the conversation before that. Oh. We are. <laughs> You're laughing about a joke that the audience has no idea. We're having an inside joke, guys. This is fun. Um, we are on our final week. I hate him. You, okay, here's the deal, Brian. When I'm talking up here and you make these little mumble jokes, I want to be a part of them. So can you please share with me what you just said? I mean, you could also just ignore me and like take my voice out and post. You realize how much work that is? Okay, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to go. We do not I, have our timer going. You do know that. I do not have our timer going. The audience <laughs> didn't know that. Wow, this Weird. podcast it's is been just... too long. It's been too this long. This is great. We're starting um, over. What? He said start over. Oh, no, we're going to keep it in. Okay. It, it, this, is, this is how we do things. Okay, so the timer's going. Okay. Um, this is also a good time to mention it before it happened in the message. Uh, we have had a ton of vacations, not together as a staff, individually as staff members. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for example, there's only three of us in the building today. Next week, I don't even know who's going to be here. So one of the things we decided um, is we're going to take a little bit of a hiatus on the podcast, not for any other reason besides the fact that it's going to be really difficult for all of us to be in the same room this summer outside of Sunday mornings. So... And even then, one of us might be gone. So uh, this isn't us saying goodbye to the podcast or doing a Viking funeral where we set this thing on fire and send it down the river. But what we are saying is until things calm down vacation-wise, we're just going to take a short break, um, and then we'll probably pick it back up. Uh, I don't want to put a date down because then you guys will hold me to it. So um, just look, look for it. You'll find it. Yeah. It'll be out I, there I, I at some point. I will hold you to it, Hayden, I promise. <laughs> so let's get back into our normal programming. Um, we had our last message in the Changes series. Changes have come to an end. Everything's going to be normal and the no same. No more changes. No more changes starting now. Um, but we started this series back in May, right? Yeah. Wow. We've been in it for a while. Um and basically the reason we started this series was to kind of be a little bit like meta aware of not only are we going to look at changes in the Bible, but um, if you haven't been a part of Arbor or been in the building in the last couple months slash the last two years, um, this church has been in changes and staff members have gone through changes. People in the congregation have gone through changes. So we thought not only should we just point out the obvious that we've been going through changes, but let's look at how um, healthy change should be done and what change looks like in a spiritual realm, what it looks like um, even in just a very logistical, pragmatic view. So we decided to start a series called Changes, um, and it's now coming to an end. And Cliff, you got to close it out. I think you also started the series. Yes. Um, You decided to talk on Joseph... Nicodemus, and the third character you talked about, not for a long time, John Newton as well, right? Correct. So um, kind of just give us a quick, maybe not five minutes, but a quick summary of, of your message. What was the, the heart and intention of this message? Well, I think that the heart and intention was just really getting into 
what it must have been like for Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to bury Jesus. Mm. Uh, what it, what that, that was the big, what change was there for them? Mm. I mean, both of these guys were on the ruling Jewish council. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So they understood scripture backwards and forwards. This is one of those messages that for me, um, it's one that I probably spent way too much time putting together uh, as it relates to how you should balance your time uh, in the pastoral role and how much effort you put toward a message. But uh, but it became so much fun for me to really yeah. begin thinking that through of what that must have been like for them. And those guys, particularly Nicodemus, you know, he would have memorized easily the first five books of the Bible. Yeah. My guess is he had a good portion of the book of Isaiah, maybe Jeremiah, mm -hmm. memorized as well. So um, when the two of them who who were following Jesus, but hiding out doing it, right? Yeah. They were they were kind of in the background. They they intentionally didn't uh, let everybody in on mm -hmm. the fact that they had become followers and disciples of Jesus. Yeah. So Jesus dies. They're part of the Jewish council, and they haven't done anything to keep that from taking place. Yeah. And I think that had to be a devastating thing. And then if they were like the disciples, when Jesus died, they were confused. Yeah. And they didn't know he was going to be rising again. Mm -hmm. And so just the thought of those two gentlemen with all that background in the scriptures um, to come and see Jesus and then the thought of, of them suddenly having those scriptures go through their minds and really the prophecies of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. uh, so to me, that got kind of a fun way to look at those things. Yeah. Um, you had, you had, said that um, this is something that you felt like you spent maybe too much time on. Um, I think it's always interesting to dive in and look at wh why do you think that this message in particular was something that you were like, I, I need to spend more time on, or even just the fact that it might have been fun to be in the research and development process of this message. Is there anything that you can quickly identify as like, oh, that's kind of why I wanted to sink my teeth into it more? Um, yeah, you know, these guys hid their faith. And I think there are so many believers who hide their faith. And they're hiding their faith a lot of times for the same reasons that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea did. They're afraid for their jobs. They're afraid for their standing in the community. They're afraid that somehow they may not be perceived as, uh, as being appropriate. And so we hide our faith. And I think that they were, uh, by time they are burying Jesus, I believe they were devastated by the fact that they had done that. Yeah. And so it, it serves as a warning to us, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, but then as I'm looking at the principles and I'm also looking at, uh, the, the prophecy they had to know about, and then yeah. they're seeing it in front of their face being fulfilled, mm. how disfigured Jesus was, what the Romans did to him, how all those prophecies of Isaiah clicked right into place yeah. that this was the Messiah. Mm. So then all of a sudden they're going, well, wait a minute, but he's dead. Yeah. And, and did we miss that? Yeah. You know, I mean, all of those things that must've been going through their mind. So as I began to flesh that out in writing it, then to think, okay, now, how might that have been? Mm. What scriptures might have come to their mind? Yeah. 
what conclusions would they have come to, you know? Yeah. And then to ultimately come to the conclusion that God's grace covers even the sin of yeah. abandoning him. Mm. And so, so yeah. then it becomes about God's grace, which is where John Newton got yeah. slipped into the whole thing. And and you mentioned um, hiding your faith, whether it's, you know, fear of losing your job, things like that. Um, and you can tell me if I'm, if I'm prying too much and I can cut this question out of the podcast, but was that something that you particularly maybe struggled with or dealt with when you were in finance before some of your life change happened? Yeah, no, you know, I think not in hiding it, but actually in thinking that through mm. and deciding, having to make a decision on those things, right? Yeah. How public are you with those things? Yeah. And, um, and as I look back on that personally, probably not as public as I would have liked to have been. Yeah. You know, but uh, there is a balance there, right? Yeah. Well, because uh, I think that's a, a very interesting thing that I think every believer who is not in vocational ministry, but in a secular workforce, right. it's a it's a strategic balance, right? Because when you become the workplace missionary, sometimes doors will close that you can have conversations, right? right. Because people are like, ah, I'm not going to talk to Cliff about it. He's going to pray for me. I don't want to talk about that. But then also you don't want to go, you know, 10 years down the road and they say, I had no idea you were a Christian. Right. So it's that balance of you can't be overt and just over the top, but also you can't hide your faith and you can't be ashamed of it. Right. So I think it is a, I think as, as pastors, we have this, uh, I don't know, maybe sometimes people think about us not being aware or cognizant of that, of if you have a secular job, I think all three of us have had secular jobs where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be so overt and over the top with my coworkers. So I, I don't want it to feel like, you know, we have this blessing that we can talk about our faith at our workplace <laughs> and we're right. encouraged to do so. Um, but it is, a, it's a, it's a strategic balance that you have to strike. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think the, the key to it is it shouldn't be hidden. No. It should not be hidden. You, I think the, other, the, the, the balance may be, unless God calls us to be in somebody's face with it, Yeah, I, I think that's a different deal. But it's very easy to let people know you're a follower of Jesus, yeah. that that's important to you, yeah. uh, without um, mm -hmm. bludgeoning them with it yeah. or making them feel less because of that. Mm. And then, it, then it's hard, though, because <clears throat> like you were saying, secular jobs, I... When I like fully dedicated my life to Jesus, I was I was doing construction, and talk about a world where yeah. like the saying you know cuss like a sailor, I think you should be cuss like a construction worker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, the language there it's, it, is is brutal. But so I would I remember when I was a construction worker, I like I definitely fell into that world of language conversation and stuff. And then then I'm like it's when I really felt like God called me. It's actually where I felt God called me in the ministry. So then I started like growing in the faith and then it was hard. It was a constant battle between my like now trying to live for Jesus, but also this is the world that I'm around every single day for like 12 hours a day. Yeah. So even the slightest slip up of language, people are like, oh, I thought you were, thought you were a Christian. I'm like, well, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. So like there's even that like fear of like, man, now I'm like, tainting the name of Jesus mm. of where they look at me now as the, they, and that was the nickname they gave me was preacher of uh, after they all found out that I was trying to go into ministry. So then it was like this extra pressure of like, yeah. I have to be perfect. And if I slip up at all, they were the first ones to point it out. That yeah. I thought you're supposed to be uh, a Christian. So that was hard like yeah. to, to be public with it, but also not fail 
and which is weird. It was the uh, uh, score that they gave me. It wasn't a score that Jesus right. gave me. It was yeah. the one that right. they right. said that I shouldn't be like them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was like yeah. a, them insulting themselves and them saying like, "Yeah, you're not supposed to be like us." Right. Yeah. Right. So it yeah. was. Yeah, it was a weird balance. Yeah. I think. I think the uh, mm. the way to straddle that, the way to navigate that, is to say, "Do I really care about the person?" You know, the people who are so in our face with their faith, often it has less to do, they, we don't get the sense they care about us, right? They care about telling us what they think we've done wrong or what they think we should do. But it's so different when you just care about them. And um, I think after I had those experiences, Hayden, with yeah. being the financial business and stuff, when I was... Um, in between the time I was indicted and the time I went to prison, I worked construction again. I hadn't done that since I'd been in high school and uh, back with those guys, those kinds of guys again. And I think what happened in no time at all, without me even saying a word about it, was me just asking them questions about their lives and showing an interest in them and caring for them. Next thing I know, they're coming to me asking mm-hmm. for advice all the time and, and even to be prayed for. And it was like, I went, oh, wow. This is how that can work. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was one I fell into kind of by accident. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, and I was just, I wasn't trying to be overt in um, in proselytizing them or convincing them they should be a Christian. I was just showing them I cared about them. Yeah. And it and that's what naturally came out mm-hmm. of it. So it was very fascinating to me. It was, and that was before I became a pastor. So, you know, I was good for nothing. Yeah. Well, so it's actually <laughs> funny that you said you went back to construction between the indictment in finance, because when you're talking about this earlier, it made me think about Nicodemus specifically. Nicodemus's whole life mm-hmm. was scripture. Like, whole life was being a teacher of the law. Like, I I don't know, we, we don't know who his parents were or what his dad's occupation could have been, so maybe he had a little bit of skills being a father or the son of somebody, but right. Nicodemus came out public. His very comfortable... Christian life that he had as a Pharisee, and I just assume it's Christian. I don't know if he was like a, like right. if he made right. himself poor, right? Like teaching. I know the chosen uh, does a really good portrayal of Nicodemus, makes him look very rich right. and like a wealthy man. But he would, if he did publicly like start following Jesus, that man is occupation is different immediately. Like Paul, right? So like, what could Nicodemus have done? Like go into construction, go into like what could if he did go public? What else could he do? What could he have done? Right, right. And at his age, who knows? What, we don't know what he, how old he was, but uh, you know, yeah, there are a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I think it's it, for for me, it was they're so under. It's understandable to know why they wouldn't want to come out with that. Mm-hmm. So we can all relate to it, but then when you see it in real life, compressed coming together, going, wow, wait a minute, that really does indicate what's most important to me. And so um, if Jesus is most important, it ought to be clear he is. Mm. And I think for a lot of us, it just is a gut check. Mm. Yeah. So your message on Sunday um, very much was centered on the conversation and the study of grace. And I think your, your main point was that grace is what sets our faith apart. Yes. Um, Obviously, I don't want to get into a conversation about other religions or other faiths, but um, maybe if you could go into a little bit more detail about 
how does it how does grace set our faith apart from maybe what what you were alluding to um whether it was other faiths or you know maybe speak on that a little bit what you meant by that well i think that that uh i don't know how you do that without comparing it to other religions because <laughs> it's the only way you can say set apart right uh but it is it's the idea that god loves us so much that he has given us grace, which is something we don't deserve, right? It's yeah. unmerited favor. It's incredible favor that we don't deserve. And he's given us mercy, which is he's not giving us what we do deserve, the negative yeah. aspect of it. So, um, and you look at other faiths as an example, you look at Islam, you have to earn your righteousness there. Mm. In Christianity, you cannot earn your righteousness. Mm. You can only accept that it's already been paid for for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can't earn it. Uh, and the same thing in in uh, uh, with with um, Hinduism. With Hinduism, you uh, there are all kinds of different gods, and they're very they're not personal. Mm. Whereas our God is personal and offers grace. In Hinduism, you can't. Um, there's a well. In that Hinduism, there's a whole bunch of different gods, mm. but they don't believe in divine intervention, and they don't believe that God could forgive you. Mm. So, you know, that's where Christianity keeps being set apart mm. and keeps being set apart in a way that it's the only religion I know of that you can't earn it, that there mm. aren't things you... The only thing you have to do is accept it. Mm. But but you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't manipulate it your way. Yeah. And uh, and it's, it's the only religion like that. People have tried manipulating it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they sure do, you bet. And it's the one that requires requires the most humility yeah. to come into it. Well, and and I said, uh, without bringing other faiths into it, mainly for my sake, because I just have not done enough research on other religions, um, mainly because I was like, yeah, I guess I'll learn more about Christianity. It's kind of what I'm into. So yeah. My job is into so maybe we should get yeah. good at that one first. Yeah, I was like, I'll, I I'll just cover, I'll cover all of Christianity, and I'll come back for the rest. But um, what I do know to be true about Christianity versus other religions is um, our a common thing. Whether you're looking at the Protestant Church or the Catholic Church or whatever, is Christianity the wide spectrum of it does focus on an agreement of there was an issue with sin, right? There was something that separated man from um, the deity of God, right? Of Jesus. And um, you look at other religions like Hinduism, Islam, uh, Buddhism, or even maybe some more mystical religions, right? That isn't the starting place for that religion, which, um, or for those religions, which is interesting. I think that we've, we kind of focus and start on, um, sin, which maybe people who don't call themselves Christian would say, oh, that's, you guys are focusing on your shame and your brokenness and that's, you know, gross or weird. But I think what's cool is when we start having conversations about grace, it's actually quite the opposite. It's not a shameful, guilty thing. It's a blessing, right? It's grace. It's the love of a father who would acknowledge the fact that, hey, you guys did mess up, but I'm still going to have a relationship with you. And um, what I liked about your message on Sunday, Cliff, was you spent a lot of time talking about grace, which I think, at least for me, and you guys can speak up, or if, uh, you know, congregants who are listening to this um, feel the same way, is grace is something that we talk about all the time, and it's a part of our vernacular, and we throw it around because we know about it, but truly, grace is this very 
um, intangible thing that you can't really measure. You can't, it's not quantitative. There's not like, here's the sins that I'm forgiving you for. Here's the sins I'm not. It's this all encompassing kind of abstract idea. And I think of it a lot like gravity where you can't see it, but you can feel it kind of a a deal, right? Like there's, I appreciated that you went in depth into it because I think that grace is something that we've kind of accepted but maybe don't fully understand what it truly means. And I don't know if that's something that you were trying to tackle in the message, yeah, trying to it, bring some more understanding. Yes, it was to an extent, in, especially in this, that it's so central and so important to the uh, key of the true gospel message. And, and I state it that way because there are, um, there are branches, there are forms of Christianity, as human beings, we want to be able to solve it ourselves. We just yeah. do. God's wired us that way. And yeah. so it it requires come to a place where you realize, I can't do it on my own. Yeah. I need this grace. And so to me, the true gospel message is it's Jesus and what Jesus has done for us yeah. that gives us the freedom to be able to come in. And it is nothing else. Yeah. And I think where where we see, you know, John talks about testing the spirits because there are many um, groups who I'll call them I'll call them fringe groups. I'm not sure that's the right term for them. Probably isn't, but they're groups that start they, that they want it to be Jesus. They want this grace thing. They like that, but then they want to add something else to it. Yeah. So it's Jesus and and yeah. you've got to make sure you go to church on Sunday and you've yeah. got to make sure you go to church on Saturday yeah. and you've got to make sure you do this or you do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and yet the true gospel isn't any of those and this. Yeah. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Yeah. And I think that was the key to me that if that wove in there somehow, that yeah. that grace comes from him and without it, we got nothing. Yeah. And with it, we have everything. That's well, where I wanted to wind up. I I have a, a bit of uh, sympathy or I guess maybe some shared understanding with those those fringe groups because, I mean, really, when you accept Jesus into your life, it is it, it can be foggy at times, right? Because you're like, so this grace that you've poured out on me is past, present, future. It's for the big things. It's for the little things. It's almost like this is too good to be true. Are we sure we're still good? It's like... How many times someone's told me, go ahead and do this and I'll I'll stop you when you're about to do something wrong. You just keep looking back and you're like, so this is also, this is covered too under grace. Right. This is right. kind of weird. Maybe if I set up some systems, like I'll go to church on Saturday and Sunday and like I'll go talk to a priest and a confessional, like maybe there's stuff that I can do to help with this God. And I totally get that because I also think that's a very... Um, maybe lacking maturity in your faith and not understanding grace and also just kind of wanting as a human to be involved in the process. And we learn with Christianity, that's not at all how it works. Right. Right. <laughs> right. To go, to make it a full circle, it's like yeah. going back to the word humility because mm-hmm. really it's what it takes yeah. Yeah. for grace because grace could also be like one of the most offensive things to some, oh. to somebody. Oh. oh yeah. Because you can go up to somebody and say, Hey man, Jesus has forgiven you. It's like, what have I done? Like, I'm, right. I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, like, right. I don't need him to forgive me or just anything. Like how th- that yeah. concept of it can be the most offensive, but it does take the sense of humbling humility that Jesus yeah. right. lived out himself. Yes, for us to really understand that grace, because it could be really like 
offensive. Like if Hayden just came up to me, he's like, dude, I forgive you. I'm like, for what? You know, forgive me. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. But if he's just like, no, dude. You would think that. I forgive you. I'm like, get away from me, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Peter says in, in Acts 10, hey, the whole reason for the law is to make it very clear you do need forgiveness, mm-hmm. how yeah. sinful you are. Yeah. So all of those things are written, and he's telling the Gentiles this, who really weren't up to speed on all of that. He yeah. said, hey, by the way, all these things that are written in the law, they're just to point out how sinful you are <laughs> and that you will know that no matter how sinful you are, God's grace is even greater. Which I bet yeah. for them was it's probably difficult, again, because humbling, but I bet for the Gentiles, so so much easier to accept because you're like, cool, we don't got to do all that stuff. Right. So they're yeah. already in the position where they probably like, we can't do it, we're out. Yep. But then it's like, hey, no, actually, you don't need to just believe. It's like, cool, that's easy. Right. Well, then you yeah. have the Jewish and the, the Jewish people and the Pharisees who were living like to, to every to every bit of what they felt like they were living to this law. Like that guy who says, who came up to Jesus and says, Hey, I've done everything. Like right. I've done, like, what else do I need to do? When Jesus said, well, sell your thing. He's like, okay, well, right. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Why? But like, and, and, and why? Right. Because what's most important. And I think for all this stuff, yeah. Why do we, like you were saying, Hayden, it's really easy for me to, because we tend to go in that direction, right? Yeah. We want to, to line up with some of those people. Yeah. But the real question is this. Why do we want to obey? Mm-hmm. Do we want to obey our Father because we love Him mm-hmm. and because we want to please Him? Or do we want to obey Him because we think we'll get beat if we don't? Yeah. Or that's the only thing that will get us in? Yeah. And if it's that second part, it's it's tiring, Yeah. it's trying, and it's not helpful. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't get you yeah. what, the very thing you want. Which is fascinating because I can't remember where I heard it if it was like a catalyst or a GLS or something but it said they said go through your decision making process in a day and look and see if you're making decisions out of reaction or you want to be proactive right and what you're describing is exactly that right of like okay I I don't want the stick so I'll do this versus would this be pleasing to my savior or would this be honoring to my savior versus, well, that's a sin. So I can't do that. So as long as I don't do that, I'll be fine versus, okay, can you go the extra step and say, what is the best thing? Not just the right thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's where giving people some freedom and trusting the Holy spirit with them makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise somebody says, man, I do. I realize how badly I need this Jesus. Yeah. So they, they, they pray with you and they accept Jesus. And then you tell them, okay, now you got to quit living with your girlfriend. You've got to quit cussing. You got to quit smoking. You got to quit drinking. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to. Yeah. And then they're out running around trying to do all those things because it's the way that they are a Christian. Yep. Where I think if you just went, isn't it awesome that you now know Jesus? Yeah. And that means that the Holy Spirit now resides in you and you can ask him yeah. how you should live your life and he will tell you. Yeah. And then they start doing those things on their own. Yeah. And that again comes out of love for him then, not mm-hmm. out of, oh, oh, now I gotta do this or I'm not saved. Or yeah. if I don't oh, I don't I don't quit living with my girlfriend. If I don't marry her, I might go to hell. Well, yeah. that's not what the word says, but you know, we can quick add that on there. Yeah. And Grace says, yeah, no. Well, I think all of that just removes the heart of the matter, right? Because if if all you're doing is checking these boxes of I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, 
sure, you're probably a great moral, ethical person, but where's the inspiration for it all? Where's the heart of why you're doing it? So is that wrong? No, but no. it's it's the right thing, not the best thing. And I think that's kind of yeah. where we're falling. I wonder. I, I don't think this is the case, but you hear some parents who are like, have just a really good kid and the parent's like, I just want you to break a rule. Like, get in trouble once. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if God sees, like, some Christians who are just oh. trying their hardest, and God's yeah. like, can you, like, can you fail one time, please? Oh, my gosh. That, isn't that the truth? <laughs> I, I, my second daughter was that way. If she'd got a lesson an A, she was, like, devastated, right? And I, I remember telling her, would you just get a C once? Yeah. It's okay. You won't die. C's get degrees, baby. <laughs> That's right. Grace, Grace, Grace. Yeah. Well, I hate his parents. Oh. Like, can you please just get a C? Yeah. yeah they're like, <laughs> I need you out of this house. They're like, you need to actually try a little harder. You're, I love your carefree attitude. It's very nice, but uh, some effort would be appreciated. You know, I think though, Hayden, when you're, when we're talking about that, that often those who do those things, like you were just saying yeah. with the wrong motivation, yeah, they're often the ones that are, it's the hardest to get them to see that they really need Jesus. Cause they go, well, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person. I think I'll be all right. Oh yeah, and and the, and those are the very ones where you're going, I I how do I how do I let you see that no you aren't going to be all right. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean those are like the that question of how how can you get someone to accept Jesus who is just well off like they have mm-hmm. no struggles they right. have no because I mean it is a common story that people yeah. are at their lowest level where they finally submit yeah. to Jesus as so somebody who's like never going to get there who has been well off their whole life and yeah no struggle right <laughs> um how do you get them to humble themselves when they don't they've never yeah. been humbled right right yeah well i that's why Jesus said it's yeah. so hard right for a rich for guy, a rich guy. Yeah. yeah it's the same conversation that we're having but i i don't know how many times i've heard people talking about the reason why they want to evangelize to their friends and family and they say I just, I really don't want, I want to see my friends and family in heaven. I don't want them to be in hell, right? And someone told me that not not even like two years ago. And I said, that's awesome. But isn't life with Jesus in the present right now so much better? And wouldn't you want that for them right now versus, I think caring about the afterlife is amazing. And that's a big motivation for us Christians. But you as a Christ follower should know and acknowledge that life right now with Jesus is so much better than life without Jesus. And you should want that in the present for your friends and family, as well as seeing them in heaven. Right. I think that's also a good motivation, but it's that acknowledgement of you can do all the right things, but it should feel a little good. And, uh, and you should feel something when you're honoring Jesus right now in the present versus just avoiding sins and and putting up these guardrails like the Pharisees did. Yeah. And and we're living in a place where what you just said is really true, Hayden, that mm. uh, that it is better with him, and we have yeah. that freedom and privilege. There are places where certainly their life is not better from a standpoint of easier, from a standpoint of getting more, uh, where, where a belief in Jesus, you literally are risking your life. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's not better from that. And those people have nothing but yeah. uh, to look forward to except for eternity, except for when this life is done, I'm going to be in a great place. Yeah. But you're right. We are very privileged that we can say both. Well, and I would, I mean, I've, I've never talked to um, Christians who are um, in a, 
in a country where they're being actively persecuted, right? But I've yes. been with, I mean, I've been down to Tijuana, Mexico, and I've done missions trips there and talked with Christians who live there, and they describe a very hellish 365 days a year, right, of um, cartel violence and food insecurity and poverty. And I come from the States where I have a very cushy life, and I talk to them, and I'm like, how are you so happy and excited? Yeah. And, and how are you guys having this much fun on a Sunday morning service? And they're like, because Jesus is good. God is good, right? And I think that's the other part, too, is there, there's a certain um, contentness and joy of having Jesus in your life that that's what I would want to see in, in some of my buddies from high school that I don't, yeah. you know, they don't yeah. know Jesus or even some of my family members who don't follow Jesus as sure. Obviously as Christians, we get down in the dumps at times, like life still hits us in a certain way, but there is an underlining, there's a basement level of, of joy and happiness that we have that I just don't think the world gets without that is Jesus. So true. Yep. Yep. We're going to say something, Brian. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> So many things went through my brain. <laughs> say say one thing that I'm went like, through your brain. I'm thinking like like big struggles right now that people have in our world is like they can't get a brand new car because the stock yeah. the, the everybody's out of stock because COVID hit yeah. that and I'm like wow like yeah third big, third world problem such so a huh? big problem yeah. we have. <laughs> well, and I think Cliff said it a number of times that having Jesus in your life, one of the the things that we forget about that which is such a huge gift is perspective, right? And yeah. that's like something that we really, I think, maybe take for grant, granted as Christians of like, sure, you cannot get a new car and you're like, wow, it's really not the end of the world. Like in the grand scheme of things, I have a, an eternal perspective that sure, I would love a new car, but it's not <laughs> it's not the end of my life, you know? It's I, not the end yeah. of the world. I don't live a life where I'm wondering if I'm going to get food that day. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Right. No, have I ever experienced that life? Yeah. But I mean, there are on that with yeah. COVID issues. There are parents who are still trying to find yeah. formula for their baby. So there yeah. are Christians who are well off where just the supply levels are yeah. so low that there is that problem today. So I will say, I say the car issue, but there is, yeah. there is, yeah, there's issues. still issues for sure. Yeah, for sure, that's happening. Um, we are getting close to our time, so I want to ask: Is there anything else that we wanted to? Uh, talk about. I know we didn't really get too much into John Newton, but we did cover some Nicodemus and um, Joseph. So, um, anything else before we close things off? This this will be our last podcast for a undisclosed amount of time. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> and and it will be my last podcast. It'll be so, your last podcast. Yes, yes, it is. So I would say thank you, Arbor, mm. and I would say it has been a uh, it has been a very enjoyable trip. Yeah. Very. Uh, yeah. It's been a fun thing getting to know a lot of people and yeah. and staff and feeling like, um, gosh, we've come a long way in the last 17, yeah. 18 months. I mean, who knows if it's your last podcast? Well, who knows? You could, be but a, you could be a guest speaker. Are, can, yeah. can you film <laughs> the podcast? You like, never let's, know. Let's not, yeah. let's not bury you yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure I give a thank you. Thank you for your for yeah. support and the way that people have engaged uh, and come around things has been neat to see. Also, so Cliff's last day, he's auctioning off his motorcycle to somebody in the church. Right, oh, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, as someone you can go who... go to hell for lying, too, somebody told me. But, uh, <laughs> as someone who's been a part of the podcast for a while now, and I've gotten to speak to um, quite a few preachers that have either guessed or um, whatever their appearances was, um, 
I just want to say thank you, Cliff. There's a lot of uh, nice nuggets and things that you've said over um, this past time that you've been on the podcast. That has just been um, really nice to have your voice on the podcast. And like Brian said, I hope that we get a guest appearance some sometime down the road. Yeah, that'd be fun. So. Yep. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening or watching the follow-up podcast, and we will see you guys at some point. <laughs>